our series uh, on restoring gratitude, on being grateful and restoring gratitude in a very ungrateful age. And as we've seen in past installments in this series, the Bible teaches that the closer we get to the close of history and the return of Christ, the more ungrateful people will become. Because it's required that we believe in God and we trust God to be grateful to God. There's a, a direct connection, an absolute connection between faith and gratitude. And the closer we get to the end of time, the more people will deny the existence of God, deny Christ, put their faith in themselves. And the Apostle Paul himself says that ingratitude, growing in gratitude, is a sign that we're reaching the end of the age. We're seeing more and more of that. So that's why we're doing this series, because restoring gratitude uh, begins with us. It begins with us personally. And if you say, I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you may need to realign yourself and, and, and look, let God take a look at you uh, and, again, restore gratitude to your life. That's what this series has been about. We've talked about the reason that we're so ungrateful, the sin in our lives, the rejection of God as our God. We've looked at uh, how we can restore gratitude by changing our perspective, seeing things and our circumstances from God's point of view. So this morning as we wrap up, we're going to consider how we can restore gratitude in our lives by probably the simplest thing we can do, but the thing that's the most neglected, choosing to be grateful. Choosing to be grateful. See, and this is the, the underlying truth for everything we're saying today is that gratitude is not a feeling. Gratitude is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. You might feel grateful, but there's a difference between feeling grateful and being grateful. Several years ago, 1988, Nicholas Winton, gentleman Nicholas Winton, was honored by the BBC uh, on one of their television shows uh, called This Life. And this is how it came about. You have to rewind several decades, in fact. In 1938, Nicholas Winton was a businessman living in England, but he was of Czechoslovakian heritage. He had moved to England and, and started a family there and, and had, had a thriving business there. And in 1938, he was preparing for his Christmas vacation. Uh, he was loading up his skis to go on a ski trip in Switzerland when he received a message from his friend back in their home country that he, they needed his help before the Nazis got too close and before the Nazi occupation, which seemed to be imminent. They wanted to know if he would help children, particular children, get out of Czechoslovakia and into Great Britain. So he dropped all his plans for his vacation, he went back to his homeland, he connected with these families, and he helped these children leave their country and get settled with families in Great Britain. And what he learned was there was a tremendous need to get Czech children out of the country and into Great Britain uh, and away from the imminent Nazi occupation. So Nicholas Winton spent several years doing just that. Uh, he developed for lack of a better term, an underground railroad for children out of Czechoslovakia and into the United Kingdom. In, in the 1980s, uh, not a lot of people knew what he had done. In the 1980s, his wife was cleaning out their attic, and she discovered a journal that her husband had kept from those years. And in that journal was recorded every name and every family of every child that he had helped leave Czechoslovakia, escape Nazi occupation and make a new life 
in the United Kingdom, 669 children. She was overwhelmed by what she saw, but she was even more overwhelmed by the fact he had kept, them to, kept this to himself all these years. So she contacted the BBC and, and asked them, is there anything we can do to honor my husband? And the show This Life had a great idea. So now forward to 1988, Nicholas Winton and his wife are invited to the television show, and they're sitting on the, in the audience up toward the front, and, and the broadcast goes live, and they're talking about uh, gratitude, and they're talking about Thanksgiving, they're talking about Christmas, they're talking about life, and all of a sudden, everyone in the room except the Winton stood up and applauded. See, all the people there, everyone else in the room was comprised of the children that he had rescued and their families and their grandchildren. And they had all come in honor of Nicholas Winton to celebrate what he had done and to express their gratitude. See, gratitude is a choice. It's not a feeling. Gratitude acknowledges the opportunity to express gratitude, thanksgiving, thankfulness for what someone has done for us, for who they were in our lives, and how they helped us along the way. Gratitude is always a choice. It might be a feeling, but if it's a feeling, that feeling ignites the choice to be grateful and to demonstrate that gratitude. This is what the Apostle Paul means in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 when he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who are in Christ Jesus. The phrase give thanks in all circumstances is an imperative in an ongoing verb tense. It means forever and always choose to be grateful. No matter your circumstances, no matter what the world looks like, you can know by faith this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, which means you can be grateful because God is in charge. God knows what he's doing, and you can always choose to be grateful. We find a story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, that underscores this choice to be grateful. And that's what we want to explore in just a few minutes this morning. And I want to challenge you, especially believers in Christ, I want to challenge you to let God search your heart and consider whether you have been choosing to be grateful. If, you, if you're caught up in, in the notion of the world that gratitude is based on your emotions, gratitude is a feeling, return to the Word of God with me and, and learn again that gratitude is a choice in any circumstance. You can be grateful for this is God's will for you. And if you trust God in all circumstances, that faith brings you to gratitude. Gratitude is always an act of faith for the believer. So look there with me. For many of us, it's a familiar story, but I want to see it through a new lens today as we consider choosing gratitude over ingratitude. Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. Uh, Luke is our historian, and he recorded the story this way. He says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't anyone return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told them, get up. He told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. The context is obviously Jesus traveling. Now, 
in the bigger picture of Luke's gospel, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem uh, for his final days. He is traveling to Jerusalem for his last Passover, and it'll, it'll end in his arrest, and then there will be his crucifixion and his resurrection. So Luke has placed this in that context because now Luke is teaching some things that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and helping us understand the kingdom of God and how that kingdom is being ushered in through the work of Christ and ultimately through the crucifixion and the resurrection. And here Jesus is traveling and, and through, uh, from Samaria, Galilee through Samaria to Jerusalem. It says, all it tells us is this is north of Jerusalem. It doesn't give us a lot of geographical designation because that's not too important. What is important is what happened along the way. And the Bible says what happened along the way is that from a distance, ten lepers cried out, called out to Jesus, and called him by name. The phrase from a distance is geographically literal because lepers were not allowed to engage closely with anyone else. They had to keep their distance. Leprosy was considered a contagious disease but it also made that person unclean religiously. So they were not allowed by Jewish law to interact with any other Jews. They were cut off from religious activity and ritual. They couldn't worship with their own families. They were misfits and they were outcasts. So a distance away is not only geographically literal, meaning they were way over there, it's spiritually accurate as well. It's emotionally accurate. They had no connection. No real relationships except with other lepers. And they call out to Jesus. When they do, they call him by name. That tells you that his reputation has preceded him. They know that he's walking through the area. And likely they know that he has healed lepers before. So they cry out to him for help and for healing. Now, the next thing that is very interesting, what Jesus does, he does not call them over and heal them. He doesn't touch them. He tells them to obey the law of Moses, to go to the priests and show the priest that you have been cleansed. But at that moment, they had not been healed. They had not been cleansed. So what Jesus is asking these Jewish men is for an act of obedience. He's telling them, if you'll do what I'll say, you will be cleansed. Now, in Jewish law, the priests certified the cleansing. The priests were the one who, ones who were able to say, you have been cleansed, you have been healed of leprosy, you can return to religious activity, you can rejoin your family at the table, you can have friends again, you're no longer an outcast or a misfit. So that's why Jesus, he sends them to the priest. He says, go get certified that you've been healed, but he says it before they were healed. He wants them to obey, and that's precisely what all ten do when they start for the priest for certification, they're cleansed and they're healed. Then in verse 15 we read, But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. Just one comes back. Just one makes the choice to thank Jesus for the healing. Just one. And here we see this is not a story about healing. This is a story about gratitude. This is a story about how God understands our gratitude and what Jesus wants us to know about our gratitude. This is a story that illustrates by the actions of this healed leper that gratitude glorifies God. And gratitude is an act of faith. And gratitude is always a choice to come to God, to be grateful to God, 
or to walk away from God. That's a choice. Even obedient believers sometimes may be obedient to Christ. We may see God blessing us and working, us in, working in our lives because we're obedient to Him and we read the Word of God, we apply that to our lives, but that doesn't mean we're grateful. That doesn't mean we're demonstrating gratitude. Gratitude is a choice to come back and show our gratitude to Him. So this morning for a minute, I want us to consider just that, how gratitude is a choice and what happens when you choose to be grateful. What happens when you choose to be grateful? Two things this morning. First, when you choose to be grateful, your gratitude glorifies God. I've already said that. We've said it multiple times in past installments. But your gratitude glorifies God. In fact, you would be uh, amazed at how frequently thankfulness and gratitude by Christians is associated in the New Testament with glorifying God. They're almost always connected. That when you show gratitude to God, you glorify God. Now, the Bible means by glorifying God that you're showing honor to God. You're exalting God. You're pointing the finger at God. You're not exalting yourself. You're not saying, I did this. Aren't I great? You're saying, God did that. God loved me. God took care of me. I honor God for what happened in my life. And let's get a little more detail here. How did the 10th leper glorify God? How did he do that? Look at three things. First, seeing that he had been healed. Seeing that he had been healed. The leper was observant. He paid attention. He knew that God had done something that no one else could do, and he knew that Jesus had done it. And he put those two things together, seeing what Christ had done, seeing what had just happened to him. We frequently miss opportunities to demonstrate gratitude to God simply because we're not paying attention. We live our lives under the assumption that we are in charge, that we're taking care of this, that we're the reason for the good things that happen to us. And rather than give thanks to God in all circumstances, we give thanks to ourselves in the good circumstances. Then we ask God what's going on in the not-so-good circumstances. This leper saw that God had done something inexplicable, inexplicable. God had done it. So the first step in glorifying God is simply paying attention. You know, God is always at work in your life. God is always at work around you. He's at work in other people's lives. Glorify God for what he does. Pay attention. And when you see him at work, honor him. God did that. God did that. The second thing is thanking him. The phrases are put together. He gave glory to God, thanking him. There it is again. Gratitude to God glorifies God. You thank God for what he's done. And the third way he does it, the third thing he does, is shouts with a loud voice and falls down at the feet of Jesus. Right there we see it. Gratitude is worship. And notice, he gets it. Jesus is God. Jesus is worthy of worship. He bows down to Jesus Christ. That's how he glorifies God. The New Testament does not blush at connecting the two. You worship Jesus Christ, you're worshiping God. You worship God, you're worshiping Jesus Christ. The two go together. Because he is God in human flesh. The leper gets it. He sees what God has done. He comes back and he thanks Jesus for what, what God has done. Then he worships Jesus, the God who did it. When you choose to be grateful, the outcome will always be that you glorify God. You point the finger at God. You honor God. And this gets Jesus' attention. This gets Jesus' attention, but even more so the attention of the crowd. And it brings us to the second 
way, the second thing that happens when you choose to be grateful, your gratitude demonstrates faith. Real gratitude is always an act of faith. It's an act of faith in God. That's why, as we've seen in the series, when people reject God, they reject gratitude. Gratitude starts with gratitude to God, and it's an act of faith. In all circumstances, Paul says, not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, always give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's an act of faith. Your gratitude demonstrates faith, always. Verse 17, Jesus said, this gets his attention, Jesus says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't anyone return to give glory to God? Now listen to this. Except this foreigner. And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now we've learned this person was a Samaritan, not a Jew. So the implication is the other nine were Jewish men. And they didn't come back to worship Jesus. They didn't come back to give gratitude to God because of what Jesus had done. Instead, the Samaritan comes back. Now, just to recap, remember who Samaritans are. Samaritans are from Samaria, where Jesus is passing through. And Samaria was part of the northern kingdom of Israel in the divided kingdom. You can read about that in the Old Testament. And then it was decimated by the Assyrians. And when the Assyrians decimated the northern kingdom, they brought in foreign people and planted them in the Samaritan region. So the Jews there over time, over decades, married, had children, married again, had children again with non-Jews, with foreign people. So by the time of Jesus, the Jews consider Samaritans impure. They're not true Jews. They won't worship with them. And they argue with them about where the Messiah is going to come. Uh, Remember Jesus meeting the woman at the well in Samaria? She says, this is Jacob's well. That's where we really worship. There's this ongoing argument between the Jews and the Samaritans. Which one God likes best? But the Jews consider the Samaritans outcasts. Now, Jesus refers to this this Samaritan man as a foreigner. We've got to put that in context because that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? It's the only time in the whole New Testament that particular term translated into English as foreigner is used, and the only time, obviously, Jesus ever uses it. He uses it for effect because his crowd was Jewish that day, and everyone gathered around him, most of which would be Jewish. Needed to, they looked upon that Samaritan as a foreigner, an outcast. How dare he come back into our midst? Even though he's been cleansed of leprosy and he was unclean from that, they still consider him unclean simply because of his ethnicity, simply because of the way he was born or where he was born or by whom he was born. They still say he's unclean. And Jesus says, look at this. The nine Jewish men didn't get it. The one you think is a foreigner, an outcast, a misfit, unclean, he gets it. He gets it. And he comes and he bows and he worships to the true Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And the Jewish lepers didn't do that. And Jesus proclaims, go, your faith has saved you. Now some of your Bibles, different translations, may translate that your your faith has made you well. But the term is very literally, has saved you. Now what Jesus means by this 
is that your worship of me demonstrates you are saved. You have put your faith in me. You have worshiped me without hesitation or reservation. You have come back to me, Jesus says, and you have worshiped me. When Luke wrote the story, he crafted it in a particular way with the the reader in mind years down the road, particularly the Jewish reader. You notice Luke holds back the pronouncement that this man was a Samaritan until the very end of the part of the story where the men are healed. Until Jesus speaks right there, he tucks it in, and he was a Samaritan. It's that moment when you're in a movie and you say, well, I didn't see that coming. It's that moment when you're reading a book and it's the big reveal. I had no idea that was going to come. That's a twist in the story. That's what that was like for them, and that's how Luke intended it. He wanted every Jewish reader to see that suddenly think, what in the world? How could he be a Samaritan? Because up to that point, they're thinking all ten men are Jews. Up to that point, they're thinking a good Jewish man has come back to celebrate God and to worship Jesus. No. This is the unclean one. This is the one you don't like. This is the outcast who shows true gratitude. And his gratitude and his worship that glorifies God indicates he gets it. And he's put his trust and his faith in Jesus Christ. Gratitude demonstrates faith. If you are not expressing gratitude to God, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not expressing faith in God. It's one of the most fundamental ways that you demonstrate your faith in Him, is that you are grateful to Him, regularly grateful, always grateful, no matter the circumstances. And that's the, the key to it. You see, when our circumstances are difficult and tough, that's when we lack faith. When we look to God and we say, God, I've been good. I've been uh, everything you've wanted me to be. I've tried to do my best. And yet, why am I in these circumstances? But the person of faith says, God, I can honor you and trust you in all circumstances all the time. I don't understand my circumstances, God, but I know that you're with me. I know that you would not abandon me. I choose to be grateful because the circumstances do not dictate my belief in God. And the circumstances will not tear down my faith in God. The circumstances give me an opportunity to see God work. Gratitude demonstrates faith. Always demonstrates faith. Choose to be grateful. Decide today, choose to be grateful that no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, you look to the things above. You, As Paul says, you, you look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust Him for your circumstances. And you can express gratitude, not for the circumstances, but for God being with you in the circumstances, for God knowing what's going on, for God having a plan and a purpose past those circumstances, because he always does. And you can trust him for that. Several years ago, some scientists uh, decided to conduct research that had already been tried before and failed. The purpose of the research was to find out how, how close the mind can get to breaking if isolated. So they set up uh, sensory deprivation chambers. Now, the last time this had been tried, it, they had to pull people out. It was, it was not a good experience. It didn't go well. But these scientists created a slightly different scenario, and they got six volunteers, six adults to volunteer for this sensory deprivation experience. And they put them in these chambers. 
Uh, and each chamber was pitch black, no light. There was no way to tell night from day. There was no way to know how time was passing or what day it was. Uh, there was no way to know that what was in the room with them. It was complete pitch black dark. There were no sounds coming in. There was nothing but themselves and their minds. Otherwise, sensory deprivation. One of the men who volunteered for the experiment was Adam Bloom. And Mr. Bloom talked about it later. He said, for the first 30 minutes I was in the chamber, I kind of laughed it off. I, I told jokes to myself. I sang some. I walked around. I, I kidded with myself a bit. Talked to myself a lot the first 30 minutes. Then after 30 minutes, that was boring. And then as time went on, he says, all kinds of emotions flared up inside him. One of the most intense was fear and worry. And he began to worry, what if they forget I'm here? What if they leave me here? Then he began to worry, what if something happens to my loved ones while I'm here, in here and, and no one knows it? What if something happens to me and no one knows it? He started to pace. Scientists say this is one of the reasons that animals pace when they are uh, when, when they're confined, he started to pace to have some kind of energy output, to have some kind of feeling for where he was. He said it just got worse. Each person was withdrawn from the experiment at 48 hours. It was only a 48-hour experiment. At 40 hours, Mr. Bloom started to hallucinate. At one point, he thought the entire floor was covered in oyster shells, and his feet were cracking and cutting on the oyster shells. Uh, another point, at, at hour 40, he started to think that the room was closing in, and the floor was lifting him up, and he started to cry out for help and realized nobody could hear him. And he said later, it was the closest I've ever been to sheer insanity and losing my mind. And suddenly, at 48 hours, the lights came on, the deprivation ended, and he was able to walk out. Mr. Bloom said that when he left the confinement, and he and the other five volunteers walked out, and they got outside, he said the interesting thing was everything was different. He said, I remember when we approached the, the building with the chamber, it was sort of bleak. There were some vines and some, some grass, but it was brown, and, and the flowers weren't really blooming, and I didn't pay a lot of attention to that. But he said when I exited the chamber and came outside, everything was full of color. The, glass was, the grass was green and the flowers were blooming and the vines looked wonderful. And he said, I've never had the experience before of washing my hands and feeling so elated to have water touch my hands. And he ended the, ended the interview saying this. He said, I committed that day for the rest of my life to always appreciate everything in my life. I'll never be ungrateful again. Gratitude is a choice. Believer in Christ, will you choose gratitude today? Maybe you're in the midst of circumstances and you've been grumbling and complaining and, and questioning God and wondering why. Maybe you're truly suffering through a very difficult time. God knows that. Can you turn to Him and say, I don't understand these circumstances, but I know you. And I know you would not abandon me. And I know you would not forsake me. And I know that you are my God. I am grateful you are with me in these circumstances. And I'm grateful, God, of your will for me. Whatever it is, God, I'm grateful. Can you choose gratitude today? Maybe it's nothing quite that serious. Maybe you've just been slack at thanking God for your life, for the goodness of your life, for the people in your life. 
for the opportunities in your life, for the way God is guiding your life. Maybe you just hadn't bothered to thank Him. God still blesses you if you obey Him, but can you come back to Him and thank Him, worship Him, celebrate who He is and what He's done for you? Believers in Christ, I'm going to pray for us in just a moment that we would choose gratitude. That God would show us if we have been ungrateful. That we would ask His forgiveness and we would choose gratitude today. And if you never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. To put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this, just as sure as Jesus Christ saved Tava, who was baptized earlier, He will save you as well. Put all your faith and trust in Christ. He'll forgive you of your sins and give you a home in heaven today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do ask God your forgiveness for our ingratitude. If anyone, Father, should be grateful, it should be believers in Christ because we know what you've done for us in Christ. And that's where it starts. It starts in faith, God. And we know our gratitude comes from this place of faith. So, God, forgive us for our lack of faith. Forgive us for our lack of gratitude. And, God, I pray for every believer in this room and at home that today we would choose to be grateful. We would choose to come back to you, to see what you're doing, to thank you for what you're doing, to worship you in gratitude, Father. We would choose to be grateful. And God, I pray that our faith would show in our gratitude. And God, forgive us if we've been just negligent. We've not even looked at the things in our lives to thank you for these things, these people, these opportunities in our lives. Thank you, God, for taking care of us. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for the people that you've put in our path and put in our lives. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to grow in Christ. Sometimes those circumstances are difficult, but God, you're with us in that, and we thank you, God, for that. We thank you, God, that nothing can stop your will for us from being done. We thank you for that today. So God, speak to our hearts. Open our hearts, God. Show us again what we, how we need to thank you, God, and that we would choose gratitude today. I pray for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior or those, Father, maybe who have wandered away and turned their backs on you, God. I pray, Father, that today they would once again put their faith and trust in Christ or maybe for the very first time trust Jesus as their Savior. I pray this prayer, God, a prayer of faith as so many have prayed before. And if there's one here in this room or at home, Father, you put that on their heart to trust Christ today, that they would pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am, and I know that I've turned my back on you. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You love me no matter what, and that you've risen from the grave. So Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you today. I believe all these things and trust Christ as my Savior today, fully committed to follow Christ from this point on. God, for everyone who's prayed that prayer, I pray you do a work in their lives. God, let us see you at work in fresh ways. For every believer in Christ, God, let us see you at fresh, doing fresh work in our lives. And God, may we glorify Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray.